And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. As Pastor said, my name's Zach. I'm the Next Gen Pastor here. It's an honor and a privilege to share God's Word with you today. And we're going to continue in the series that Pastor's been teaching on, um, Expect a Miracle. We're believing God always. I believe God always has a miracle in the house for anyone that comes today to hear God's Word. Amen. You believe that? Amen. And uh, and the kind of the co-title of the, today's talk, today's message I'm going to share with you is called An Unlikely Candidate. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 9. So if you have your uh, Bibles in either tree form or E form, however you want to turn them on, um, you can uh, join us. Acts chapter 9. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV, uh, but uh, any version will work. Um, and uh, you can follow along there. Of course, we'll have slides on the screen for you too. But really, before we jump into the text, I want to kind of set the stage. So in your best mind, imagination, go with me. And the scene is, it's AD 35. And uh, any, none of us were alive back then. Anyway, uh, but uh, it's eighty thirty-five, and there is an uprising that is taking place in Jerusalem. TMZ broke the news that there is this new cult. I know, right? Cultural reference there. There is this new, somewhat uh, uh, new religion or new following that's emerging out of Judaism. They call themselves the Way. Christians, they follow this man from Nazarene named Jesus. They claim that he is the Messiah. They claim that he has risen from the grave, that he, and there's healings, and all of this incredible stuff has taken place in the region of Jerusalem, and the religious elite of the time are not happy. So much so that they've gonna, they're going to put an end to this blasphemy. They're going to put an end to this heresy. They, uh, if you read Acts chapter 7, there's a young man named Stephen who's passionate for the Lord. And as you, you learn there, the Sanhedrin, and he's put before the trial and that he is martyred, the first martyr that we see. And there's a young man that stands and gives approval of that. And we know him as Saul of Tarsus. And we're going to look at Saul's life and the miracle that took place in his life, but also that takes place, I believe, for you and I today. What's interesting about this young man is he is passionate. I say young man. He's, he's a part of the council. He's a part of the Sanhedrin. He is, uh, he is so zealous and so passionate for the things of God. He is, as we read in, if, in the book of Philippians, if you were to go and read that letter, he will tell, he tells, he said, in my past life or in my early life, I am the Hebrew of Hebrews. I am from the tribe of Benjamin. I studied under Gamaliel. I am, I know the law. I know all these things. He's very, he, he come up underneath all of these things and he was very zealous and proud of what he knew. Great Pharisee, a great man of God, a great Jewish man, and he is going to take it upon himself to put an end to this uprising, to the, these early Christians. So much so that he goes to Caiaphas, the high priest, to get legal documents to say, I have the authority to arrest any of these men and women who say they follow this Jesus person. Man, talk about intense. He's so impassioned and he's so zealous about this church that he will take off on a six-day journey in his day to go from Jerusalem to Damascus and walk a very common road that they would have walked. He had taken it many times before. He knew the way. Educated, very smart, passionate about the law of God. 
He's going to solve the problem. He's going to arrest anybody who is trying to blaspheme the Torah and God's law. He's going to take care of this. And so what's interesting about this is that on his way to Damascus, he has an encounter of a lifetime. He encounters Jesus on this road, a road that he's taken many, many times. As I've read this account many times through my life and as I've studied this even in the week uh, in, in, in preparing for this, when I look at this through a human lens and through our eyes, Saul of Tarsus is an unlikely candidate for God's grace. He doesn't deserve to be the one who God picks and selects and calls to be the voice to the Gentiles or to other Jewish men and women. He, why? He is unlikely of all people that could pick someone else. He's not deserving, in our human terms, he's not deserving of God's grace and forgiveness because he is ripping families apart. He is causing havoc. That is not in our natural human tendency. We would not say that he would be a candidate of God's grace. But what is really neat about this whole account, and I believe it applies to you and I today, is that we are all unlikely candidates for God's grace and his goodness and for what he wants to pour out in our lives day in and day out. We pick up this, the text that you're following with us. We'll have it on the screen, Acts chapter 9, verse 3. And it says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. Once again, we've, we've kind of detailed this, that Saul is this passionate man, this zealous man of God, and he is now faced with a major dilemma in his life. He thought what he was doing was to honor God. He thought that his whole mission, his whole chief uh, go, chief purpose of going and arresting these people was to put an end to this blasphemy, to put an end to this uprising. And here he is. He's encountered Jesus. He's had this vision. He's had this encounter with God himself on a road that has left him I th blind, we learn from the text. But I believe he's in shock. I believe he's fearful because he falls to the ground. Nowhere in the text does he say he fell off a donkey, but I know we say that sometimes. But he, he, he's just paralyzed, I think, with fear, with reverence, and with, with understanding the culture of that time. The only way, and especially for rabbis and the, and the rabbinical teaching that he would have been a part of, God is the only one who would speak to humans through a vision or through a voice like this. And he is wrestling in his mind now that this same Jesus who I necessarily don't believe is Messiah is the one who has visited me today on this road. Psychologists would call it cognitive dissonance. He's having this, and here's a textbook definition of cognitive dissonance. It says, it describes the feelings of discomfort that result when your beliefs run counter to your behaviors and or new information is presented to you. See, most of us, we want consistency in our beliefs and our behaviors. But once something is presented to you and I that challenges our set of beliefs or even shifts our paradigm a little bit, we are left with two choices. One, we can change and we can go with this new information. Or two, we can explain it away. 
We can say, oh, that's not really real. I really didn't, you know, Saul could have said, I didn't really hear a voice. I didn't really, I didn't really experience anything. But that's not what we see in the text, right? That's not what we see in scripture here at all. Why? He's posed with a question from Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? And his response, I believe, is a response that we all should ask. And we, many of you may have already have asked this question. But he doesn't do it out of arrogance. He doesn't do it out of spite. He, li- he says in a respectful manner, I believe, is who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? It's a question that we can ask ourselves today. Maybe, it's the, maybe you've never, ever asked that question of Jesus before. But is he your Lord? Is he the Lord of your life? It's something that I, I, a phrase that I remember growing up and one of the mentors who spoke to me as a young man, he said, Zach, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And I remember as a 12-year-old thinking, what does that really mean? <laughs> what does that really mean? Is that, does he have every area of my life? Does he, does he, am I so in love with him? Do, do I have this relationship that we talk so freely about sometimes within, within church, but is he my Lord? And I believe at that moment, Paul, Saul, who we would later be known as Paul, as we call him throughout the text and throughout scripture, he has come to a decision in his life where he has really encountered the Lord for the very first time. Jesus has revealed himself to Saul and he's, he's got to make a choice. He says, I'll give you a command of where to go next. His group of men that are there with him, his companions that are traveling with him, they lead him on into Damascus. He is blind. He's confused, maybe in a little bit of shock. But I'm so glad that he gets up and he goes to Damascus. Humbled by his encounter, I believe, Here's a guy, once we said, Hebrew of Hebrews, he, he knows the Torah, he knows the law, he knows all of these things. But in this moment, there's a, there's a humbling factor that takes place, and he is obedient to the command of Jesus in this text. See, his miracle was on the other side of his obedience. And that's the same for you and I today. I want you to ponder this question as we think about the obedience of Saul in this text, is that how has God brought humility into your life and how have you obeyed his leading? How have you obeyed his leading? You know, I could tell you many stories that, you know, of God and doing those things, but I want you to ponder your story. I want you to think about it really quick about has there been a time where God's had to literally speak and there's been a humbling factor. There's been something that's been challenged in your life where he's revealed himself and he's revealed maybe an action or an attitude or a, a thought or a way you've treated somebody and he says, you know, and I know for my things like that, you really shouldn't have handled it that way. You just get that prick in your heart. Sometimes you think, hmm. And then I have to go. And it's, it's a humbling factor. But through that obedience, what it helps to do is restore relationships. What it helps to do is lead me to a deeper place in him. And instead of me asking the Lord, why is this happening to me? I ask the Lord, what can I learn from it? How can I trust you, Jesus? How can I grow in you? And so I'm not giving into a victim mentality, but I want to get into victory in my life. I don't ask why, Lord. I ask what? I ask God, what are you trying to show me? I believe that's where, where Saul is as he journeys and he trusts these guys to take him into Damascus. And that's where he goes. Now, why Saul is an unlikely candidate in this story. There's another man and I, you can ask my wife, I've, I've worked hard this week and I've, I've looked up his name, I've studied his name and even I have an app on my phone where I can pronounce his name correctly 
verse 10, it, like, I would hit it and play it back, play it back. And his name, I, I've always called him Ananias, but in, the, in his name in the Hebrew, and if you study and pronounce it, I don't know, you guys may not care about this, but I care about it. It's Hananias. So I, I, I remember my knee, Hananias. That's how, and I remember when I was in Bible college, how I was learning Greek and Hebrew. Anyway, sorry, but you guys don't. Anyway, I'm just telling you, I've studied this, I've prepared. And what's cool about this unlikely candidate of God's grace or God, this next man in the story is we all, I believe we all can relate to him. Hananias is, as we read in verse 10, let's pick up the story there. In Damascus, there was a disciple. Maybe your version says a certain disciple or a certain person named Hananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Hananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Hananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. As I've prayed and I've read over this and I thought about if I put myself in Hananias' shoes, the only thing we know about this man in the text or in scripture, we never really hear of him much again, but he is a faithful disciple in Damascus. His name means... God has graciously given. I thought that was pretty cool because that's exactly what Saul needed. He needed some grace, but he needed someone to come on behalf of God to minister to him this healing and this miracle that was about to take place in Saul's life. He's, he's just a common everyday. We don't know his backstory. We don't know how he became a follower of Jesus. We don't know any of those things. And, and I got to thinking about this, and, I, and this may be for, I shared this word to some of our students on Wednesday night when I was preaching to them, but it may be for someone else in the house too, is that you may just feel like you are just going through the motions, that you are just kind of just out there in the world and no one really, you're really not doing anything of significance. At least you feel that way. You feel like it's just routine. I just get up. I do the same thing over and over again. Can I encourage you that if you are in that season in your life right now, please don't lose heart and please don't lose faith. Continue to be consistent. Continue to be faithful. Continue to place your trust in the Lord and not in your own strength or not in what other people say of you. Because get this, as you remain faithfully planted where God has positioned you and has put you, there's another person. There may be a Saul or there may be another Ananias. There may be someone else that's going to come into your life that needs to hear your story, that needs to hear about the faithfulness of God in your life. And so you're not insignificant and you're not unimportant, but God has you exactly where he's placed you for the purposes of his kingdom. Amen? Amen? It can feel like we can just go through the motions sometimes and that we can just, we can just, we're just doing the mundane, but I believe that God is in the routine of your life and God wants to be the Lord of that area so you can be a blessing to someone else. He's an unlikely candidate. We don't, we don't know any more about him. We've already said that, but the Lord has called Tananias in a vision it is not as like in your face, hey, like knock you off of a, knock you up, knock you down, blind you with lights, but it's very subtle and it's very clear and it's very specific, church, the call that he has in this vision. God's called him to a specific place. He's given him the guy's name, Judas. He lives on the straight street. That's the name of the street. It's the main drag of the big road that goes in Damascus. The guy's name is there, Judas, he's there. But also there's a guy named Saul there who is praying. What's beautiful about this church is that God hasn't forgot about Saul. God's still ministering to him in the house of Judas. 
God's still revealing who he is. He's showing his purpose. And he is going to send somebody, another human being, to come and be a contact for a miracle that's about to take place that not only changes Saul's life there, because Saul will tell this story later. We will know him as Paul because that's, that's his Gentile name that he ministers to the Gentiles with. It will change Saul of Tarsus' life so much that he will tell this story multiple times. Acts 22, he tells the story again. Acts 26, he tells it again. Galatians chapter 1, he tells it again. 1 Corinthians 15, he tells it again. It is his testimony. It changed, it changed his life. And what's interesting for all of us in this place is your story is powerful. It's a story that needs to be told, and you need to share it with whomever you come in contact with. When the opportunity presents itself, I don't have to to be theologically correct in everything or know how to homiletically speak or the hermeneutics behind all of those things, but I can tell my story. I can share what Jesus has done in my life because, listen, they may argue and, and, and debate with you about the text and that if this, this contradicts this or this contradicts that, and we can get lost in that argument, but we can just share is that, you know what, one day I was lost and I was confused and I, was, I did not know where to turn. But someone shared with me that God sent his son who loves me with an unending love and that he gave his life for me that I might have freedom, liberty, and restoration and his name's Jesus. And I gave my life to him and it changed my life and it changed the course of history. And he does it, he, does, he didn't just do it for Saul then, he hasn't just done it for me, but he's probably done it for all of you who've called Jesus his Lord. It's your story, church. It's your story. Don't lose heart in that. So, Ananias is, is so specific, I believe, church, because there is a, there's something inside of him that he knows is like, wait a minute, Lord, hold up. You said his name's Saul of Tarsus. Yeah, yeah, I know that guy. It's so specific because I believe in our human nature, and if, and if any of us... If Ananias is like any of us, I've heard the stories. The story has broke. It's been a couple years now. This guy's been going around arresting people, locking people up. And Ananias is like, I am not about to go into a house with this guy who has the authority to arrest me. I think that's what he's dealing with. He's got his own cognitive dissonance that he's struggling with here. He's heard the information. But he even so much so, church, that he argues with the Lord. Have you ever done that before? No, 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 no. Like, are you sure, Jesus? Like, do you really, you really want me to do that? I can remember, like, one time standing in a line at Walmart, and we've all been there. <laughs> and I am just wanting to check out. I, I, I believe I'm buying stuff for the church. And it's an event, and we're doing, and we're going, and, we're, and we're, I'm just trying to move and hustle. And there's a young lady behind the cash register who is just trying her best to keep up. It's a busy day. There's still not enough lines open at Walmart, and she's just trying her best. And I can hear the Holy Spirit, like, just, I hear him, like, he's like, hey, just, just share. Just tell her that I love her. And I'm thinking, I don't have, I mean, I'm just being real with you. I was like, I really don't have time for this. I really have got things I got to go do. I've got... And I feel like it's the same emphatic answer that God's about to give to Ananias here. But he's like, God's like, no, just share. And I remember thinking, oh, man, here we go. This is, I mean, you know, just because I'm a pastor doesn't really mean that it makes it any less in awkward sometimes. And I'm not trying to be awkward. But I remember asking a young lady, I said, how are you doing today? That's, all I, 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 that's how I started the conversation. And a little bit of tear 
came up in her eyes. She said, I'm not doing that well today. I'm trying my best. And so in that moment, just in that small moment, you know, just quick prayer. That's all I did because there were 400, there, not 400, there were like, there were so many people behind, but quick prayer just to minister. And I don't know, I, I can't tell you that she gave her life to Jesus that day. I can't tell you that we had revival right there in aisle two at Walmart because I, I'm not going to lie to you, but I know what, a seed was planted and that's what God wants you to do. You just sometimes got to be inconvenienced. And I, and, I, and I thought about this as I was praying and preparing because pastor said it well, God will sometimes, he will offend your mind to expose your heart and that's exactly what is going on with and he knows in his mind in his natural this does not make sense I am not about to go get locked up I got a business I got a family to take care of I am not dealing with this guy and then as we read verse 13 we'll pick it up it says Lord and Aeneas answered I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem and God's like, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, I've heard it too. And he has, he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Once again, God doesn't say anything. He knows that. But the Lord said, he stopped, he, I, I believe Ananias was going to keep rattling off things. And, and the Lord just stopped him and said, go, exclamation point. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, to their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Are you, are you serious, Lord? You really want me to go to this guy? Yeah, I do. I want you to go. There's a purpose for him. There's a greater purpose. So much so that God reveals the purpose to Ananias, what, Paul, what Saul would do, what his ministry would do. He reveals the call to Ananias. I believe he's already revealing it to him in Judas's house because because Saul isn't eating. He's fasting. He's praying. He can't see. And he's, try, and he's just trying to hear this new, the voice of God and what God, this, what, this encounter that he's had. I need you to go because you're going to bring healing to this man who's got a greater purpose. See, on the other side of Ananias' obedience was a miracle God wanted to use him for. On the other side of his obedience, he wanted to minister to a man named Saul and welcome him into the family of God. We see a theme emerging here, right? As we keep reading and finish this text out, verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. Man, if you can highlight that, put that like that, that is a, good, I, that, that is a pivotal statement in this text. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, oh, come on. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. Not just physically could he see, but spiritually, he can see something deeper. He got up, was baptized. That means he identified with Jesus. Taking some food, he regained his strength. And the story would go on from there. I told you, Brother Saul, if you highlighted that, I, that when I read that, something left off the pages to me. It is an invitation of love and acceptance that Saul needed at that moment. It's an invitation that he needed. He needed someone to embrace him. He needed someone 
to accept him. You know, Pastor Terry was just talking to you about small groups. The reason we do them here is because I, we believe that small groups is a, one, a form of discipleship, but it's also a place where you can get around common people who love Jesus and who are just on this same journey with you because we're all at different parts in the journey. We're all at different seasons in our life. But in that small group, you sit in a circle of people who share common interests or you're sharing a Bible study, but you can take off the mask and you can be transparent and there can be healing and there can be relationship and there can be this, this sense of you, I have a place to belong, I have a purpose and it builds community and, it, and that's why we encourage you to, to get a part. You know, there's a groups brochure out there. You can find the directory online as well. If you've never been a part of a small group, this is your year to be a part of one because God will do something crazy awesome in your life if you'll just be obedient and submit not just to him but you'll submit to one another in love because God wants to bring healing that way and that's exactly what we see here see Ananias trusted that if God had called Saul he was no longer to be viewed as an enemy but as a family member do you remember and this is a question that I asked myself I want to ask you is do you remember who the Ananias in your life was the person who ministered to you, the person who did not give up on you, the person who prayed with you, the person who maybe even led you to Christ. You remember that person? Just go in your mind. You think about them right now. I can, think, I, I can pull it up right there. I, was, I, I can see that time. I can see that person who just, they saw something in me that I didn't see inside myself. That's what grace does. God doesn't see you as you are currently. God sees you, the potential he sees who you are and who you're called and destined to be. And so that's what grace calls out of you and I. And that's what he's called Ananias to do. And Ananias was faithful to do it. He goes. And I think about if you know and you remember who the Ananias was, who is God calling you to be an Ananias to in your circle of influence this year? Who's God calling you to minister to, to not give up on, to continue to pray with and to share with? Because I venture to say there's somebody. There's somebody, as I've already said, that needs to hear your story. There's somebody that needs to hear about what God's done and transformed your life. Not in a judgmental, judgmental, judgmental way, not in a condemning way, but listen, this is what God's done for me and he's no respecter of persons. He wants the same for you because he loves you just as much as he loves me. See, the... the the thread of this whole thing is that the obedience of both of these men led to miracles that took place, healings that took place in, in that moment in time. But it, it transcended, all, I mean, generations. And we're still talking about it today. Those of you that have, have grown up in the church or you've been around church long enough, you ever heard of the Romans Road of Salvation? Raise your hand real quick. Have you ever heard of Romans Road of Salvation? Look, there's a lot of hands. We... It's one of the first things I remember being taught. It's cool if you don't, yeah, if you don't know, because I'm, I'm going to give it to you just really quick here. But, but I don't ever want to assume that we all know it. I didn't, I, you know, growing up, we went uh, to church um, in our little town there. But like, I, you know, I just went and I tended to have fun. But I remember when God got a hold of my life about 12 years old, this was one of the first teachings that was just poured into my life. I think about the Romans road of salvation that, that I've read about many of you who just raised your hand. It's a rich text that we find in the book of Romans that walks us through how to understand God's plan of salvation, how we can make that decision to make Jesus our Lord. But the Roman road of salvation does not take place without the Damascus road experience. Doesn't take place. 
The Romans' road of salvation, the richness of that text, does not take place without the Damascus road experience. I, I say the Romans, I say the book of Romans, but I'm thinking about most of the New Testament, those letters that we read and the, the pastoral letters that Paul would go on to write. This thing I said has transformed his life that it caused him to pen multiple letters and epistles that you and I still read today. See, the miracle happened that day, but it continues to happen from generation to generation to generation because we name our salads Caesar, but we named our sons Paul. <laughs> Dad joke, yeah. But it's the truth. It's the truth. This account in Acts chapter 9 is so pivotal, church, to just us being here having this conversation today. Saul's conversion, his healing, his call is so applicable today because we, we're still talking about it. So much so, like I said, I don't want to assume because without the Saul's obedience, without Ananias' obedience, we wouldn't have texts like this Romans that helps us understand God's grace and just to spell out the road to you as we walk down this thing I love it starts Romans 3 verse 23 but I don't think you can just use verse 23 I think you need to couple 23 and 24 together it says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God not a period there there's a comma and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That redemption didn't come by your works or my works, but it came by Christ Jesus. The only way for salvation, the only way for eternal life is for me to place my full trust and my hope in the finished work of Jesus. I've got to make a choice. I've got to, I've got to put myself and remain in him. I love it. You keep running down the road. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Romans 5 8 if you're taking notes this is the Roman road of salvation you go ahead and put this down this is how if you want to share the plan of salvation with someone this is a great way to do it man why I was still away from him why I did not have any belief I didn't have any any desire to be a part God in his infinite love and his infinite wisdom sent his son and died on my behalf even before I chose him because he already chose me he already chose you Verse, chapter 6, verse 23, he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember, he's got to be the Lord of our life. If he's not the Lord of our life, he's not the Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. We've, those, I believe that he's got to have every part of our life. And I think it's a daily decision. It is, church. It's the, there's, I believe salvation is instantaneous, but it's a progressive walking this thing out, and it's a mutual sharing one with another, and it's a growing, and it's a developing, and it's becoming just real and honest with people. And listen, it says, for the wages of sin is death. That's something that you earn. Listen, you and I, if we're just trying to earn salvation and we're trying to do it on our own laurels and our own respects, the only thing that we're going to continue to earn is death. But get this, salvation is a gift. It's a free gift of God's grace that he's not saying you have to earn it. He says, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. And then to wrap it up, if you... Uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, come on, it's a verbal thing. When we, when we teach the students and we minister and disciple with our students here at Evangel, when, when we're praying for them, someone will say, Pastor Zach, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, that's great. I said, well, I said, are you a Christian? Yes. Is Jesus your Lord? Yes. I said, I said, well, let's pray. Just ask the Lord to receive. And I said, I want you to remember this, though. 
It's an audible gift. So I'm not going to, I'm going to pray with you, but you got to pray too and you got to speak out. And it's so cool. Once they just let, let their guard down and not just the kids that we've ministered to, there's other adults that we've done this with. It's like as soon as you just pray and you just take that pressure off that you have to perform, it's a gift that God wants to bless you with. And if you start to praise him, then it just starts to flow, right? It's the same way, I believe, with salvation. You just ask. You believe and you put your trust. He says, Paul says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That sounds pretty straightforward, right, church? Verse 10 says, for, if it, for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. But he doesn't stop there. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The takeaway today, church, main point that I want you to drive home, write down, is that we are all unlikely candidates of God's grace, but he's made a way. As we just read, he's made a way for us to receive that. See, within the grace of God, we find our purpose, we find our healing, we find our salvation. And just like Saul and Ananias of their time, they had a choice that day, one on the Damascus dusty road and one in his house in Damascus. He had a choice. Do I continue to live and do the things my way? Or am I going to be obedient? Am I going to yield to the Lordship of Christ in my life? And we all have to make that decision. We all have got to come to that point in our life where we make that decision. Because I still believe the greatest miracle of all is when a human being decides it cannot be my way. I've been striving and I've been trying to do it. I've been trying to figure it out. I've been trying to make it work. I've been trying to make it happen. And I just keep, keep, I just keep hitting a wall. I just keep going down the same road. I keep struggling. And then when you come to your place where you say, you know what, I can't do it alone. I need, I'm in desperate need of a Savior, but not just a Savior, I'm in desperate need of a Lord. I need someone to give leadership in my life. And here's the beauty of this, is that God wants to come alongside of you. He wants to pour his love out on you, and he wants to give you that purpose. He wants to give you that meaning. He wants to heal you. He wants to bring hope into your life. And I would be remiss to say that it's always going to be easy. God tells, God tells Saul, I've got a call on your life, but there's going to be some things you have to suffer through. Listen, you may be walking through a hard time right now, but can I just, just encourage you that God has not forgotten about you? He hasn't left you. And in this season of struggle, we just lean, lean on him and not your own understanding. Lean on him and trust him. What's he trying to produce in you that's going to help you be a blessing to someone else? So maybe you're here today, and for the very first time, or maybe it's been a, maybe it's been a long time, maybe you, you do inventory of your life, and I know I've asked you some questions to ponder as we thought and as we walked through this text, I, but the biggest question of all is, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you made that commitment to him? Because that's a miracle in, its, in itself that God wants to speak to your heart right now, because it will change the trajectory of your life, it will change what God wants to do in your life if you'll just yield to him. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, just, sit, just remaining in your seat in the stillness of this moment, in the seriousness of this moment. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I've done inventory of my life. I'm just, I, I've heard what you said, Zach. Um, you walked us through the Romans road. I, I don't know if I've ever 
understood that I could have a relationship with Jesus or that he wanted a relationship with me, but I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life for the very first time or I want to rededicate my life to him and make him Lord of my life. If that's you, no one's looking around. Will you just pop your hand right up where you're sitting and put it right back down? I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? I want to make Jesus my Lord. I want him. Listen, as an act of solidarity, because we're a church family, I want to pray this prayer together out loud. Everyone pray this with me. For those who raise their hands, you pray it. Let's do it together. Lord Jesus, today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I believe that you are the Lord, that you died, that you rose again, and that you sit at the right hand of the Father. Forgive me of my sins. Set me free. I choose this day to place my full trust in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, if you raised your hand or if you didn't raise your hand, that's okay. We want to be able to bless you with a resource today and and do some follow-up prayer. Pastor Donnie is going to be available, and I'm going to call the altar team just at this time to come, those that are available to pray. Because I want to end this service this way too, because we're believing for miracles, we're believing for healings for you as a church. And maybe you come with a need today, and maybe you've come with several needs, and you just need someone to agree with you. You just need someone to pray with you. These altars are going to be open. We're going to worship the Lord But this is Pastor Donnie right here. If you were one of those that raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you still prayed it and you want the resource, we want to bless you with resources. We want you to know that you're not alone. There's some great next steps for you. You'll come and meet him and he'll he'll take you there. But will you stand with me? We're going to pray. These altars are going to be open. There'll be people here that are going to pray with you. And we're going to worship to close this out. But I encourage you, move from your seats. Find someone, anything that you have need of. And God wants to meet you where you are. So, Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for this congregation. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word that doesn't return void, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for ministering, God, those that raised their hands today and made a fresh commitment to you, Lord. We celebrate and we say welcome to the family of God. Thank you, Lord, Father, for salvation today. And thank you for miracles taking place in their life. And, Lord Jesus, I pray right now, God, that you would seal this moment. God, that they would know that you love them with an unending love. And that, Father, right now, Lord God, as people are coming here, they have different needs. God, they're, they're believing for a miracle. And, God, we're just standing in the gap, and we're going to pray with them. So, Father, as we worship and as we lift our voices to you, as we intercede for our church family, Lord God, we know, God, that you've already gone before us to meet the need. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7.00. 
We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.